0: This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts.
1: Welcome to the Carbon Connection Podcast. It's not too late to change the conversation about climate change from doom and gloom to a conversation about possibility. This podcast is a curated selection of episodes that we just had to share with you. The Carbon Connection is about the many dimensions of climate change and the conversations people are having across the globe. It's about hope, community, advocacy, science, and changing our future. Hi, I'm Sam Schufenecker, a contributor to the Carbon Almanac Network from Troy, New York. This episode of Invested in Climate is a wonderful deep dive into what companies and people within companies can do to contribute to climate change efforts. Jamie Beck Alexander gives great examples of how every role within a company can and should contribute to the movement from supply chain to accounting and H.R. I came out of this episode hopeful in the work already done, as evidenced by Jamie's insights and examples, and the great action steps described in the episode. Enjoy and let us know what you're applying in your workplace.
0: Welcome to Invested in Climate. Protecting the planet and decarbonizing the global economy is the challenge of our time. Never before have so many people rallied around a common cause. We all have a role to play, and the opportunity we face is unprecedented. Invested in Climate aims to help people do more to address climate change through their work, investments, learning, lifestyle, and activism. I'm your host, Jason Rissman. I co-lead a climate venturing practice at the design firm IDEO, supporting early stage climate founders and organizations. I'm also an investor and startup advisor and have realized that when it comes to climate action, I'll be a lifelong learner looking for the best ways to have a climate positive impact. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating on Apple, Spotify, Google or wherever you found us. Follow us on social, subscribe and spread the word. Find episodes, sign up for updates, get in touch and visualize your climate action at InvestedInClimate.com. Thanks for joining
2: There is an awareness that change is coming, employees are organizing, this is not going away. I hope people feel a lot of courage in that because the status quo is not working. It is not working when a little bit of power rests with a few influential people inside companies. We have got to change that calculus if we're going to move things quickly enough. And there's an awareness of that among leaders inside companies and employees should feel like the wind is at their backs. This is happening all over society, in every different sector.
0: Today's episode focuses on work, and specifically, the work anyone can do to help their organization make climate change a priority. Our guest, Jamie Beck-Alexander, argues convincingly that in order to mitigate climate change, every job must be a climate job. It's not about quitting your job to work on climate, she says, but rather recognize the influence you have. No matter your role, your industry, or your level within an organization, you can be part of what's really driving change in companies today. Movements of committed employees who help their organizations do more to address climate change. As the founding director of Drawdown Labs, Jamie helped develop the Climate Solutions at Work guide and is providing hands-on support to dozens of companies. In this conversation, she shares her insights to what's working, what's not, and the tangible steps we can each take to accelerate progress. Here we go. Jamie, great to see you. Welcome to Invested in Climate.
2: So great to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Jason.
0: You know, I was thinking it's really cool to get to reconnect with you. You and I got to work together uh, maybe six or seven years ago uh, in some projects at IDEO. And now we're both focused on climate change work and getting to collaborate a bit. And I was thinking how cool it is when people pop back into your work world.
2: Yes, and our meandering paths cross again in this most important issue that we're working on.
0: Well, super fun to see you and so exciting and really inspiring to hear about the work that you've been doing. You've been working in climate for some time now. Why don't we start off just by hearing how have you seen the space evolve and how would you describe the moment that we're in?
2: I have seen definitely some you know, some big changes in this space for sure. I mean, I think when I got started, I had to work for free. You know, I like interned, I tried to, you know, I had already like had a pretty decent career in the federal government and thought that it would be pretty easy to to transition into climate work, but it was not. There were very few jobs at the time and just didn't feel like there was a whole lot happening in the space.
0: How long ago was that?
2: I mean, I guess when I was trying to kind of transition into climate work was probably right around when we were starting to work together. So yeah, seven or eight years ago, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's like, I mean, I, jobs are still, you know, I think there, we still have a long way to go to like get more, more jobs, having a climate lens on them, but there's so many more resources now and, you know, communities and groups. And, um, there's just a lot more happening in this space, uh, in that amount of time, which is really exciting and where we need to be. And I think, I mean, I think that's where the movement feels like that's where the movement is right now, like just kind of taking what used to be like a super well-defined group of people who worked on climate change, like a very, you know, like very defined, very restricted group of people who worked on it to net to that, like sort of being burst wide open. And now it's like lots of people are finding their inroads from wherever they are. And that's sort of where I think we are as a movement right now.
0: Great. Yeah, I've shared that same observation that it really feels like there's there's in some ways a mass mobilization of of talent and that people are coming from all sorts of fields, recognizing that time is limited, that there's urgency, that this is the moment to dedicate our careers and and our thinking to solving the climate crisis. Thrilling to hear about the work that you're doing to to support more people to do that. Why don't we turn to that? You are the founding director of Drawdown Labs, an organization I'm very fond of, and full disclosure, IDEO, the company where I work, was a partner in helping design Drawdown Labs and is a member of it. For listeners that aren't familiar, tell us a bit, what is Project Drawdown and, and Drawdown Labs?
2: Project Drawdown is a, a nonprofit organization, and we've been around for about seven years now. We um, really exist as an organization in order to research and then communicate, amplify the solutions that we already have in the world today to address climate change. So we have researchers who have, starting seven years ago, all around the world, who have been kind of trying to understand what are the existing practices, technologies um, to address climate change. We've gathered all of those practices and technologies into one place. We've crunched the numbers around how much do they each cost how much will they save over time compared to the business-as-usual approach? How many emissions in the atmosphere will they reduce or avoid? And we've determined that we actually already have in our hands today the solutions and practices to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius if we scale them quickly enough. So we don't need like some new technology. We don't need some new Practices to be able to transition these sectors toward a livable future. We have them already. So that's the work of broad Project Drawdown. And then um, the program I run, Drawdown Labs, is really our, our effort to say, okay, so we know what the solutions are. We know like the nouns, they're solar panels and heat pumps and regenerative agriculture. How do we scale those climate solutions in the world? so quickly that they displace our business as usual approaches so we work within drawdown labs we're sort of that experimentation hub with trying to figure out the how Uh, so we work with corporations and investors primarily to kind of use the influence and scale um, and resources that those kind of actors in society have to be able to put their resources to work to scale climate solutions those are our main audiences um Within our existing economic system, we need to move capital toward climate solutions, and we need to change corporate behavior as the biggest contributors to global greenhouse gases. So that's sort of where we play in the ecosystem.
0: Yeah, you know, I was hoping when you said that we know what the solutions are, that your organization's actually just focused on celebrating and moving on. Uh, (laughs) But it sounds like this is where the real work is now beginning.
2: When we published the book Drawdown in 2017, it was like, we did celebrate and we were like yay we did the work we have the solutions this is great and then it was like oh they don't just happen in the world on their own like we need to pull some big levers to be able to like bring them into the world at scale i'd say that's drawdown 2.0 that's where we're headed now and that's that's really our main focus within within drawdown labs
0: great well you mentioned that companies play a really big role in making the changes that are needed Are you feeling hopeful about the private sector's role in addressing climate change? And what signs of progress are you seeing?
2: I am feeling hopeful uh, at this moment, I think. And it's not really because corporate leadership is moving, is changing course dramatically, but because employees within companies are building movements inside companies. That's already starting to change things. And I think that's just beginning so, I am real the more and more I learn about movement building that employees are doing inside companies, and like the power that they're building to be able to change the culture inside companies gives me a lot of optimism, gives me a lot of hope
0: I'm curious, do any specific examples come to mind of movements within companies that you're seeing that others should follow or or that are exciting to you?
2: I really think this all started with the Amazon employees for climate justice who who started with a small group of very emotionally invested individuals who were like, "No, we you know, we need, we're shareholders in this company, even if we're very small shareholders, like we're part of this company, we're invested in this company, and they're not doing enough. And they built their numbers and had like a cl- a super cl- clear mission. They ended up becoming a group of seven thousand employees who read a letter to the Amazon board um, at one of their shareholder meetings. And then a few months later, Amazon came out with their climate pledge. It's too much of a coincidence that I think the employees had a lot to do with that. That's really been a blueprint. Initially for the tech sector, we saw a lot of other of the big tech companies have similar movement building happen within, within those companies. And now we're seeing it across sectors. So I've seen that happen in food and ag companies, big transportation companies. I've seen collaborative spirit where employees are like, oh, we're all in HR, let's figure out how we how human resources professionals can bring our skills to bear to help the company. So I've seen it both in, you know, in a collaborative way, and in a in more of like an agitating way, like an organizing and saying, no, we're not the company's not moving fast enough, we're going to like exert some pressure, you know, and then there are formal kind of mechanisms like shareholder resolutions, that employees can bring as shareholders in a company similar to what Amazon did. I think there's there's some of that happening right now as well. So yeah, I think this is kind of the beginning of that wave.
0: It's interesting. You you described this as movements within companies. Something actually that some of my colleagues at IDEO have written about, the idea of movements, not mandates, are what change organizational culture. Um, I'll include a link in the show notes in case people are interested in that idea. But I'm curious, uh, as you watch more and more people do this, What are you learning about what is actually effective for changing organizations from within?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And I read, I did read that article and it resonated with me so deeply. It really, I think that's, I think it's exactly what I've seen happen. And and it, it sort of feels like that was a case study that has really played out, you know, time and again, which is movements starting with, you know, a small group of people, Who are deeply invested, deeply rooted calling that they like build their numbers. They demonstrate some early wins, even if they're small, like getting climate related performance metrics into different job functions, for example. Like, you know, small wins, but like accumulating small wins, building numbers and having like a clarity of vision, which is really exciting because that can happen anywhere really. And when it comes to climate change, like the concern and emotion that people feel about it is only growing. And so it's only going to be more and more people brought into that movement, I think.
0: That's great. Let's turn to the role that our listeners can play. You don't know this, but on a recent episode that I recorded with Anshuman and Kumal, founders of a great startup called Terra, one of them actually quoted you. You didn't realize that you're that famous. (laughs) <laughs> but they said that Jamie uh, Beck Alexander from Drawdown Labs says that every job must be a climate job. Tell us what you meant by that. And did you say it?
2: I did say that. That is very kind because I am such a fan of Tara's work. And and I feel like they're actually doing, like I, I said those words, but like they're actually doing the work. I think I said that in like a TEDx talk. I think what I mean by that is climate change affects everything. Climate change is, you know, it underpins everything, every aspect of society, every part, every aspect of life as we know it, that means we all have a role to play. Um, And so, and I don't think that means everybody needs to like leave their current jobs and go work for a climate NGO or a climate startup. I think that means everybody finds their in road from wherever they are because we need Accountants doing like carbon accounting. We need you know salespeople shifting their businesses away from fossil selling into the fossil fuel sector into you know partnering only with like climate related or you know companies that have science based targets. We need marketers and human resource professionals and you know farmers and people to install heat pumps and you know I mean we like literally quite literally there's like every sector of the economy needs to undergo a transformational change. And so every sector of the economy needs to change. Therefore, every sector of the economy and every like skill set has a role to play. You could take that into several different directions, but two major ones are you could make scaling climate solutions into your job directly, like installing solar panels or installing heat pumps or, you know, whatever that is, becoming like a regenerative agricultural farmer. Or you can work on tapping key leverage points to help climate solutions scale faster. Getting capital to climate solutions or shifting policy so that there's more policy um, in place to be able to scale climate solutions or, you know, shifting, helping change culture by like telling stories about the future that's possible. Or, you know, I mean, I think there's like so many different ways of contributing that we don't have to like go searching for a climate job. We can put a climate lens on wherever we currently are.
0: Fantastic. And as I understand it, Drawdown Labs actually has created the Climate Solutions at Work guide, and that's helping people uh, around the world turn their job into a climate job. Uh, Tell us more, what is the the guide and uh, what is it doing?
2: Climate Solutions at Work was really our effort to try to say climate solutions are more than just like solar panels. There are a hundred climate solutions at our fingertips and we need all of them. Similar to that sort of like that, you know, so broader project drawdown exists to like widen our lens, like seeing all of the solutions that we have to climate change. So in a similar way, the climate solutions at work guide that we produced was yes, we need like sustainability professionals But there are a lot more job functions and a lot more of, you know, a lot more things that other people can do within business, especially within businesses and, you know, even especially within larger corporations. There are a lot more ways that companies contribute to the climate crisis that we haven't really seen this like kind of holistic view of all of the ways that companies influence the climate crisis for better or worse, mostly for worse. So we embarked on this effort to like get out on the table. What are all of the like tentacles, you know, that companies have in the world that are either positively or negatively influencing climate action or climate, you know, climate solutions in the world. So we did that and it's like, yes, a company's direct emissions influence the climate crisis, but also their, you know, their their political lobbying and also the investments that they have in the world and their employees 401ks and, so, and so on and so on. And so when we did that, so that was some that was like something that we published in this guide. And when we did that, that that brings in a lot more job functions, then it's like, oh, HR, you know, people that work in human resources can play a role in creating like performance metrics for different, different roles throughout a company to, you know, to help different employees um, contribute to, to the climate work. Or marketers can help in like using the, the marketing function to help communicate better about climate change or the importance of climate policy. So yeah, so the guide was really intended for employees who are not in a sustainability role to like be a better judge of their company's climate pledges. And then we have some tips in there to like figure out, okay, in these different job functions, here are some like really impactful ways to contribute.
0: Are people downloading it? So are you getting any sort of feedback or sense of, is it making a difference?
2: We have gotten a lot of of great feedback. Um, and we're finding that we, I mean, we, I think we've probably done like maybe 50 or 60 workshops on it for, for large corporations wow. for, for employee groups within large corporations. Um, we're really getting like, we want to dive much more deeply into this content. So we've done work, workshops with like, you know, the 500 employee, you know, procurement team at Walgreens, which is a huge team and a, like the procure, a procurement team from a company like Walgreens has a lot of influence over the carbon footprint of that company. So we did a workshop for them to like really figure out, okay, well, how, what can people who work in procurement and supply chain do? Or if marketers at a huge tech company, So we've, we've used it in two different ways. One is like at a leadership level, like how can we bring in more decision makers throughout a company around, around these different leverage points and then at an employee level. And then we've also had few companies have actually used it as a blueprint for their climate strategy. So they'll look at, oh, these are all of the ways that, that a company can contribute. We want to make sure they're all aligned with, you know, with climate action the feedback has been really good. I'd say the only kind of tension has been with like the existing, the existing like chief sustainability officers
0: who. I was going to ask about (laughs) that. How do they feel? Yeah. Everyone's a sustainability officer.
2: Yes, exactly. Which was the goal. Obviously that's a little threatening, you know, that was sort of a gnarly thing that we went through because we, you know, most of our, formal corporate partners, our main contacts are the chief sustainability officers. So, you know, we presented this to them as like, this is going to help you. This is, you know, you can't do this work alone. This is like way too big for a five person team or, a you know, it's even a 25 person team. It's it's too big. Um, And I think for the most part, they embrace that and support that. But I think it's not without a little bit of a feeling of like, you know i've been doing this work for a long time it's been really hard and and now all of a sudden like you know everybody's becoming an expert in this like i think it that's it's totally natural that there would be those feelings you know i think in in most cases there is a genuine like desire to have a big tent and you know and bring and bring employees in it's a delicate dance <laughs>
0: Well, it's interesting before you talked about how movements within companies need to have some um, balance between collaboration and agitation. I think that those were the terms that you used. And I would imagine that even the sustainability officers, even if they have a current plan, they might want agitation to help them go further. Is there often some of the most committed people? Why not have a critical mass of employees demanding for more? It might make their job harder, but it might help them actually be more impactful.
2: I could not agree more. And I think it's a good barometer for the authenticity of a company's climate plans, how how much they're bringing employees in and welcoming that, you know, that pushing. But I think in most cases, the CSO would be sort of welcome it, but want to be a little bit arm's length from it. They're not like rallying the troops, but they're appreciating that it's kind of providing headwinds for them to move faster. I think that's how it's generally seen, but not always. And that, so that's why I think that's that's a good barometer for like how much you could actually trust, you know, the the, the company's ambition is like whether they're welcoming the, the you know the sort of agitating to, to help move them faster or not.
0: Well, it brings up a really good question around greenwashing. Is there's no shortage of companies making big commitments around climate right now, but actually holding the companies accountable is another story. What are you seeing as being effective for? holding more companies accountable? And what do you think needs to change?
2: Such a great question. It is nonsensical to me that this space has no accountability. I mean, there's, it's like all the marbles, really. This work is literally for like everything we know and love on planet Earth, and there's no teeth to anything. It's nonsensical to me. And it's built on pledges and promises and like commitments. Like, it's just this is like the business world. How have there not been like legally binding mechanisms drawn up by now?
0: Or at least executive compensation tied to it, right? To incentivize leaders.
2: That's a no brainer. Like, and that's rarely, rarely see that. That one, I've seen one company do that. Salesforce does that now. It doesn't make any sense to me. It feels like, we're betting everything we know and love on pledges and commitments, like I don't think so, <laughs> so I mean the the s e c ruling, you know, or the the proposed ruling from a few weeks ago will help with that around
0: disclosures
2: around disclosures. yeah, that'll help. But I also think we need other ways of measuring this question. like it's you know how 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 many times in a year has a company lobbied for climate policy. You know, that's a measurable statistic. Nobody really counts that yet. That's a metric to me that that helps me understand, are they serious or not? Are they looking at mo- shifting their, you know, companies of like a ton of investments in the world? Are they looking at shifting those away from fossil fuels? Are they providing their employees with opportunities to green their 401ks so that their f- employees 401ks are not invested in fossil fuels? There are ways that yeah executive compensation are they like creating opportunities for more employees to support the work of the company's climate ambition. There are other metrics that you can use to measure a company by that we haven't I don't think we've really started to scratch the surface yet.
0: You mentioned before that there's different levers that the climate solutions at work guide and your overall approach to trying to change companies is are really focused on different levers for changing the organization. Tell us about them, and in particular, which is your favorite lever?
2: The first and most obvious one is emissions. So, of course, companies are directly sending emissions into the atmosphere and then through their supply chains. But then there's policy lobbying. So, are companies stepping up on policy when it matters? Most times, they are either silent or through their trade associations, they're often um, obstructing climate policy because... The chambers of commerce and other trade associations often tend to be against regulation because they're made up of all kinds of utilities and and oil and gas companies inside those same associations. So they don't often, hardly ever support climate policy. So companies could be pushing their trade associations on that front. A lot of companies are you know supporting political candidates um, often who are misaligned with their sustainability goals. So that's sort of the policy lever. Then there's the Fi- you know, investments lever, um, which I mentioned, like, what are they doing with their cash investments and their retirement plans for employees? That's a huge amount of money that they're investing and often is going into the fossil fuel sector. That's called like financed emissions. those two, I'd say are the two, probably the two biggest policy engagement and, and investing. There's like, business model transformation, companies are often, you know, we hardly ever talk about what the company is actually doing as their business model. I I always think of the example of like, you have Walmart on one side, who's just producing mostly crap in the world, right? Like perpetuating a, well, I mean, I'm not trying to pick on Walmart, but like these, you know, companies that like exist in order to perpetuate, like, perpetuate like stuff in the world like sell stuff in the world them having a, a really ambitious climate target is great but it's not the same thing as like tesla existing in the world who exists in order to you know scale a climate solution af- aside f- like aside from their like human rights issues that they have going on but you know as like looking at an actual business model we hardly ever talk about what kinds of businesses we actually can afford to have in the world in the era of climate change can we have like like maybe we can't afford to have companies whose business models are solely focused on the proliferation of stuff maybe they need to like transform their business models to be focused on scaling climate solutions so that's one that we don't hear a lot about and it's sort of i think it's kind of on the horizon And then there's, you know, the product, like the partnerships that companies have. A lot of big tech companies have partnerships or contracts with the fossil fuel sector um, to help them drill, to use their technology to drill more efficiently or things like that. So really looking at the partnerships that companies have in place. So those are a few. I mean, I think my favorite one is one around what we call long-term thinking, which is really looking at how can companies start to help shift um, from uh, this incessant focus on quarterly returns to one that like sort of values the longer term. Um, so that's, that's looking at, you know, the donate economic model um, that Kate Rayworth has, you know, kind of propagated in the world. How can companies actually help to start moving capitalism in like a more longer term thinking or a more inclusive direction? That's probably my favorite. And I think there's um, a lot of potential there.
0: Right. I bet you didn't expect to be asked your favorite lover. <laughs>
2: My favorite lover.
0: I want to go back to the individual experience and individual action. You talked about leading workshops where you are helping people see that their job is a climate job. What is it like at that individual level? Are, are you, I just sort of see this as maybe like a revelatory moment, just an unlock for people of realize, wow, I actually have agency. I actually can make a difference what's that like to be next to or to to see
2: you're absolutely right like it is it does feel like a moment of like people come alive so i mean one of the first things we do in a workshop is if it's with a specific job function you know i'll say like like think about the broad purpose of this discipline like think about the the highest level like what is the purpose of a human resources professional well you know it's to help take care of employees and protect the business and, you know, recruitment and making sure that employees have their benefits and everything like that. So when you think about it at that level, it's like, oh, how could that be put to use for climate action? Well, I guess we could. And then and then that starts like a this iterative process of like, oh, well, I guess I could look at like tying bonuses for employees to, to different climate outcomes. Or I guess I could look at creating a better culture of, you know, feeling like a safe space to talk about climate change at work or, you know, I mean, it just like brings up these, um, these ideas and, you know, i like marketing think about like the marketing function marketing as a general discipline is like to, well, I don't know what the exact definition is, but it's like something around promoting the a business or a product or you know communicating about about it and like how much do we need that for climate change in the world like we need the world's best marketers on this problem we need marketers for the build back better act and you know we need like sales people like we, like when you think about the sort of like the highest level purpose of these departments um and really start from there and brainstorming like how could that general discipline be used for climate action it's just such a like a generative place to start. And then we kind of drill down from there into like, okay, so within that, what is your specific functional area? Um, and the ideas are incredible. Like there are so many incredible ideas that have come out of those workshops that are like, wow, I like we want to share this with like everyone who works in procurement, you know? So it's really been just a very like generative place. And I think people are Relieved when they see that, like, they don't have to, like, leave their job and go somewhere else, but can make change from from where they are.
0: For listeners that want to turn their job into a climate job and not leave their job, but instead influence the organization where they work, what's the first step?
2: The first step to me is finding your people, even if it's a small group, like finding, a you know, a few committed and, like, you know, similarly passionate or ambitious people just to know that you're not alone and start to sort of like build from there. So I would say that's that's the first thing and then and then looking at the almost like doing a power mapping of who's who in the company makes decisions, okay? Who in the company whispers in the ear of those decision makers. Okay, how can we influence them? What messages did they want to do? They need to hear. What? How is climate most relevant to their part of the business? And sort of like mapping out. Um, and if you have like one key ask that you're, you know, say you're like you're organizing around getting your company to like boldly support some big climate policy. If that's in the center of your like power map, then. How do you reach the person who makes the decision there? And then figure and kind of figuring out the relationships is a good kind of early thing to start with to start to try to connect dots between the business. I think climate, like movement building can benefit from like connecting these various like dots throughout the company who aren't typically who don't typically work together and who often may have like different things going on and bringing them together around climate um, is a really powerful thing to do. But I would say, yeah, finding your people and like sort of mapping out the structure of power and how to how to try to like reach that and influence that.
0: Fantastic. That's great. Thank you, Jamie. So this podcast, Invested in Climate, helps people do more to address climate change really across five categories of action: work, investments, learning, lifestyle, and activism. Today we've talked a lot about work. I'm curious if you have recommendations of what people can do and what our listeners can do across some of those other categories of investments, learning, lifestyle, and activism.
2: I think those are such great categories, and I love that. At project drawdown, our climate solutions and our research indicates that people have a lot of agency. You know, I mean, my work specifically fo- specifically focuses on companies and their agency. But, our broader research shows that something like 30% of our global greenhouse gas emissions could be reduced or avoided by the actions of individuals. We've taken our research and like sliced and diced it to understand different levels of agency and which climate solutions are most relevant to different actors. Um, and individuals and households have a huge role to play, especially, you know, when those are aggregated, when we take collective action especially within wealthy countries and for wealthy individuals who have you know who who are responsible for more emissions and have more means to reduce them and that was called out in the IPCC report you know that was recently released like there is a difference between luxury emissions and what they call sub- subsistence emissions like people who have to like farm in order to feed their families versus people who are buying their third yacht So we don't shy away from like individual action is very important and, you know, has a lot of power and we need to be able to tap all of those levers.
0: Fantastic. That's really fascinating that over 30% of emissions really fall down to individual level and choices that we can all make really powerful. Yeah. We've talked about a lot today. I love the framing of first starting with finding your people. And then mapping power as being the entry to changing the organizations that you work at. And also just in recognizing your agency as an individual, as a consumer, as a family member, as a community member. Is there anything else that you'd like to cover or that we didn't talk about?
2: My sort of where I am right now is we're in the like try anything phase. I think inside companies, especially, there's a like there is an awareness that change is coming. Employees are organizing. This is not going away. I hope people feel a lot of courage in that because the status quo is not working. It is not working when a little bit of power rests with a few influential people inside companies. We have got to change that calculus if we're going to move things quickly enough. And there's an awareness of that among leaders inside companies. And employees should feel like the wind is at their backs. This is happening all over society in every different sector, it can be scary to like try to find your inroad or to build movements within companies like that. It can be nerve wracking. You don't want to like lose your job, of course, but like this is a, a moment to be bold. And I think that there's a lot of rationale. There's a lot of like proof that it's working. I think that should hopefully give a sense of solidarity that this is happening in a lot of different places and that it's one of the many things that the world needs and that we have one of the leverage points we have to tap
0: thank you so much and jamie for being with us and invested in climate we will definitely include links to drawdown labs and the guide that we spoke about in the show notes and look forward to keeping track of your journey and and continuing to collaborate with you
2: likewise jason yeah i'm so excited about this and thank you for the opportunity to, to chat with you today
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Invested in Climate. Please remember to rate us on Apple, Spotify, or Google. Find show notes, sign up for updates, get in touch, and visualize your climate action at investedinclimate.com. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute financial, accounting, or legal advice. Thanks again.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Carbon Connection, a rebroadcast of the Invested in Climate podcast. We'd like to thank Jason Risman of Invested in Climate for letting us share this episode with you. Today's episode was produced by Catherine Palmer, alongside Mary Pafford and Sam Schufenecker. Special thanks to Sam for introducing us to today's episode. Our editor is Tanya Marion, and our executive producer is Jennifer Myers-Schwa. To listen to other shows in the network, like the Carbon Collective, where members of the Carbon Almanac Network share their thoughts and experiences working on this project, visit thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts.